are listening to the Final Score Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Greg Swatek of the Frederick News Pro Sports Department here with you. And on this week's episode, we'll talk to or we'll talk to excuse me, Oakdale Boys Varsity Lacrosse Coach Dale Kowatch. Uh, Coach Kowatch is a Thomas Johnson High School graduate. Uh, went on to play uh, at York College and uh, coach at uh, Frederick Community College, and now he's uh, coaching the Oakdale Bears, uh, who are off to a four and three start with their young team this year. So we'll talk to Coach Kowatch about all that stuff, about his team's prospects, his, his, his own background uh, growing up playing lacrosse here in Frederick County. So look forward to having him on in just a couple of minutes here. But first, it is time for our what has become our weekly power ranking segment. Uh, my colleagues, uh, John Cannon and Alexander Dacey, are, are here to, to help me through this. Uh, we're... Alexander and I have been doing baseball the past couple of weeks, but we are going to expand it beyond baseball this week. We're going to be a little more inclusive of some of the other spring sports in Frederick County. So, uh, where should we? Let's start with softball, John. Yeah, you've been our resident softball expert so far. <laughs> uh, 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 who would who would you say has been the top softball team in the county so far? Number one. Yeah, right now I'd say just Linganore, just uh, the strongest. Um, I know. Um, uh, Catoctin has just one loss. I think they might have our best overall record, but I just think Linganore is a, a stronger team, although they have lost two games. But Linganore, but just just the, line, the lineup puts them over they the They pound the ball. Or, yeah. yeah. yeah they, I mean, a couple other teams pound the ball, too. Um, TJ hits very well. Uh, Middletown as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's tough, though. But I mean, there's no clear-cut team, but I, I'd pick Linganore if, if it's a gun to my head. And uh, Catoc- Catoctin right on their heels at number two? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, interesting thing is, I mean, uh, I, I, you always want a strong pitcher in softball, and I guess right now, I mean, really, probably Middletown's Taylor Broadbent might be the strongest one. You, you got to see her today, Alexander Pitcher. I mean, she shot out Catoctin, which is incredible. That doesn't happen yeah. too often. <laughs> two two hits, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah, we'll go with Linganore for now. Uh, and then uh, TJ, uh, number three uh, mm-hmm. for, for softball in, uh, in Middletown, who had, who had the great win over Catoctin uh, coming in at number four. And left out is Walkersville, who's had a heck of a year. Um, I think they could be right in there as well. But um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they knocked off Middletown last week. They shot out, shot out Middletown, which is, uh, again, Middletown hits the ball extremely hard. So it's kind of like everybody's beating everybody right now. Yeah. So was, was it hard keeping Walkersville out of that top four, John? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll probably hear about it. but uh, Right. I, uh, let's move over to the lacrosses. Uh, Alexander, uh, I believe you've seen her band. I've I've seen her band a, a couple of times here. I I would say they probably separated themselves as is is the top boys team, the reigning three A state champs. Yeah, I saw them play Middletown. I guess this was last Tuesday at this point, and they they just pretty much dominated that game start to finish. Uh, and that was and I was that was kind of, and Middletown was undefeated entering that game and. You know their their schedule. Middletown's schedule has gotten kind of tough the last two weeks, but even still, that was a game where it's kind of like, well, Urbana very clearly looks like they are the better team. Now I know the past couple games they've had a, I've had a few scares, but um, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that they're you know that they're they're top of the heap. Yeah, they're, they're they're different from the championship team last year. They they they're not as prolific offensively. They they don't score goals like they did last year. But but and their, and their defense is is has been a little bit hit and miss. Uh, they're they're young in a lot of spots. But but yeah, Urbana is the best team, and they've proven it with their resilience over the last week. They were down six to one uh, to Ligonor on on Saturday and came back to win seven to six. 
They were down uh, four to one and five to two to Oakdale uh, uh, this uh, this week, and th- and they came back to win that game as well. So uh, Ur- Urbana clearly the top team in boys lacrosse. Uh, uh, Leganor, um, have, have either of you guys seen the Leganor boys yet? I I did. I saw them play Middletown last Thursday, and it was a pretty crazy back and forth uh, overtime game that they won nine to eight. Um, again, I'd probably would put them at number two right now. Um, the, yeah, the, the the fact that yeah. they won that game and then it had a big lead against uh, Urbana over the weekend. So, uh, what 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 uh, stood out to you about Ligonor? Well, that game was interesting in particular because they they had a great first half. They it was it was two two after one quarter. Then they rattled off five in a row to make it seven two going to the halftime. And then I don't know if it was. I mean, there was it was kind of a combination of two things. Middletown's defense was did did clamp down in the second half, but also Linganor just kept throwing the ball to no man's land. Um, they allowed six unanswered to go down eight seven in the fourth quarter, tied it with a few minutes left, and then they they had a huge defensive stand uh, with two men down at the end of regulation, the start of overtime, and then eventually won it a few minutes later. So. I really think their defense in that in that sequence, like when their offense basically just shut itself down for practically the re- the, the entire second half and you know most of overtime, um, their their defense, the fact that they were able to you know hold down a, a what is a pretty potent Middletown attack to just you know to, to to keep it a to keep it a close game, you know I I think that's really their calling card is their 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 defense is pretty tight. And then we're gonna we're gonna have to put Middletown right there too at number three. Yeah. Um, the, the overtime game against Ligonor. Um, do you know if they, they haven't played Urbana yet? They, 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 that, they, was, they that was they the did. game I was at yeah, last they, week. They yeah, did. they and, they and, lost and, eleven to four. And, they didn't look great, but again, like and, and Urbana's it, also just very yeah. Good, so. uh, the o- Oakdale Oakdale could uh, break through there uh, as they continue to improve over the season. Uh, Tuscarora and TJ and some of the other teams seem to be a step or two behind uh, in, in, in boys lacrosse. Um, so, so we'll see if if if, if Oakdale or uh, or uh, or another team could crack into that top three before the end of the season. Uh, girls lacrosse, Middletown, uh, <coughs> state cha- or state finalists last year, uh, been uh, been rolling over just about everyone so far. Had a big win over Urbana last week. Uh, Middletown girls are clearly the number one team. John, you saw the Ligonor girls mm-hmm. this week. What and they look good. Uh, yeah, they, they have a lot of young players. Uh, they rely on, but they're good and. Uh, Actually, they're going to play Urbana tomorrow night, and both those teams are unbeaten in their uh, conference in the CMC Spires. Uh, so that's going to be a big one, a uh, big test. I have not seen Urbana, I believe. At least one of you guys have. Um, right, right. You, you saw Urbana. Uh, I, I, I saw Urbana play uh, Middletown, mm-hmm. and, and, and they they did okay. They, they fared mm-hmm. okay, but, but Middletown's just so right. pro- prolific offensively, mm-hmm. as, as they often are, that they just couldn't keep up. Mm-hmm. So. Urbana is not as good as they were last year. They, they, they mm-hmm. had a better team last year, but they, but they still have um, uh, good good players, including mm-hmm. a couple players from last year in right. um, <coughs> uh, their lineup. Uh, Casey Casey Beach uh, being uh, being um, uh, w- one of the one of the top ones, and, and also Paige White and, and, and Kelly Voorhees. So I'll say this about Lingenor. I think uh, I mean, they're having a good year this year, but they're a team. They have so many young players. You figure the next year or two, they could really be, uh, they could be looking at some big things. So again, these rankings can always change. Uh, the, they'll be influenced by that Ligonor Urbana game uh, mm-hmm. Thursday night uh, this week. Obviously, uh, the winner of that will will probably move into that number two spot for girls lacrosse. 
uh, <clears throat> as far as the, some of the lower profile sports, tennis, uh, Urbana and Middletown are clearly the best two teams. Ur- Ur- Urbana has the win over Middletown, so one, one two there. And, and, and the Oakdale boys are, are, are hanging in there. They have one of the best players um, in, uh, in, in the county so far, and, uh, Nick uh, Nowitzki. And, um, and on the girls' side, Tuscarora is, is having a decent season so far. So boys' tennis, Urbana, Middletown, Oakdale. Girls' tennis, Urbana, Middletown, Tuscarora. And uh, last but not least, we come to baseball, Alexander. Uh, no reason to knock uh, Urbana off the top. No, they, uh, they believe have won at least, I think, three, if not four straight uh, Mercy Rule games, including a big, uh, big doubleheader win on Saturday, including a 10 nothing win over TJ in five. Um, so, yeah, they're kind, of, they're kind of in cruise control, and they're, they're – they're just kind of running over teams. A lot of teams have stud pitchers, and, and yeah. some have more than one, but Urbana definitely has two in, um, in uh, uh, Keegan Johnson and uh, Brendan uh, Yegish. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, they're going to they're gonna be tough. Um, uh, they don't play Catoctin this year, do no, they? No, they do not play Catoctin or Brunswick just because Urbana is – uh, the only 4A school um, in the in the county in baseball. So uh, because of the the because of that and the the way the scheduling kind of matrix works, they don't they don't play they don't get to play the two 1A teams. Right so. now, Catoctin lost to Brunswick, but you have Catoctin slotted in still at number two. Yeah, so so that was a flip. So last week, I remember I was very tentative, but I put Brunswick ahead of Catoctin. Um, that has changed as of today, Wednesday, uh, because Brunswick did. Lose kind of a surprising four uh, nothing loss to to Smithsburg. Um, Smithsburg uh, had a big lead on them earlier, and they came back and won that game. So Smithsburg's giving them trouble. Twice yeah, this year. yeah. So 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 Bruns so Tocton sitting at seven and one is sliding at number two. Brunswick is third. I finally got to see Brunswick for the first time on Tuesday. They played Walkersville, who's who's pretty decent. Um, and then I so I saw Oliver Ellison, who's one of their two big arms, and he was pretty dominant throughout. Oh, he just gave up an unearned run in the seventh, but uh, I believe it was double digit strikeouts. So again, like they 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 have those two arms, and, and it's just, it's just that it's just that third slot. I know I know the the loss you know today Wednesday against uh, Smithsburg was was Jenny's. He was kind of a you know, hard luck loser. It was a relatively low scoring game, but. Um, yeah, I think I think just again like right now Catoctin still only has that one loss and they've they've been more convincing in their wins, I'd say. Um, you know, with maybe a handful of exceptions, so uh that's that's the reason for the 2-3. And, and then at number 4, uh, TJ. Yeah, so TJ again is kind of just a case of you know, the the, the those top 3 are pretty clearly the three best and then again there's kind of just a there's a couple teams fighting for the fourth spot. TJ mostly sticking out just because they keep they keep finding ways to win ball games. Um, they're six and two. Those two losses, uh, you know, one was to again Urbana over the weekend, and then they had the the weird the season opener extra innings kind of weird one against Walkersville. But um, yeah, no, they're just finding ways to win games. I mean, I was there. I was there Monday. They played Oakdale, which I kind of in my head was like, all right, this is kind of a battle for the fourth spot because Oakdale, Oakdale's five and three now because, you know, because of that loss. But, um, yeah, I mean, Oakdale went up, uh, went up three, one, uh, TJ rallied for two in the sixth to tie it and then won it on a kind of a walk off, uh, in extras, a pretty fluky, uh, steal and some overthrows and classic high school baseball play. Um, you know, but yeah, they just keep finding ways to win games and, 
you know, even if it's not pretty, I mean, they're winning. Can't knock them for that. So, right. you know, they, they kind of, they, because of that, they kind of, they, they're the best of the rest. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the pitching depth in this county? I mean, this is your first season covering baseball here. I, I don't think I've ever seen any county around here have this much quality pitching in one season before. I mean, even like, again, I'm, I'm from Montgomery County. We have 25 high schools compared to their 25 public high schools compared to the 10 here. I mean, we, there will always be like, you know, maybe two to four guys every year that were like, Oh, these guys are pretty, you know, are, are, are getting college looks, but I don't think I've ever seen nine from any County in this state. I don't think I've ever seen nine D one bound guys in one season yeah i mean most my, is, a, a lot of teams are yeah. too deep i mean nine nine yeah. nine d1 guys i mean if you divide it by that that's like half the teams in the county have like two d1 right i mean almost. you've got urbana catoctin um there's someone else Brun- in brunswick Fred. brunswick yes thank yeah. you so like yeah crazy <laughs> right john do you remember a year where where you, you've seen this sort of pitching depth no not not the guys uh that went d1 uh not as many of them anyway but uh no no not like this and, and if you flip that over to softball we we don't have much we don't have the pitching depth that we've often had in softball mm-hmm. there's no sammy main per se right. uh for, from from middletown this year so it's just interesting the contrast where baseball you're loaded with pitching softball mm-hmm. you have good pitchers don't get me wrong but but you don't have Right. Uh, you don't have the, the, stud, the, the, the stud dominant pitchers um, right. in, in, in softball. So, so there we have it. We, we, we broaden our, our, our scope a little beyond uh, baseball this week, and, 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 and we'll do it again next week and uh, throughout the spring season, which, uh, uh, boy, I, I, I guess we're at, at the midway point just about. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And we'll be talking about playoffs uh, in, in a couple of weeks <laughs> as we get into May here. So. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. And when we come back, we will talk to Oakdale Boys Varsity Lacrosse Coach Dale Kowatch. Stay tuned here on The Final Score. Dale Kowatch was a standout lacrosse player at Thomas Johnson High School. He then went on to play for nationally ranked York College in southern Pennsylvania before he found his calling on the sideline as a coach. Uh, He served as an assistant coach at Frederick Community College before becoming the head coach for the Cougars. He now coaches varsity boys lacrosse at Oakdale High School, and it's a pleasure to have Coach Kowatch on the podcast this week. Thanks for being here, Dale. How are you? Greg, thanks for having me. Uh, Doing well. Doing well. Uh, First of all, before we talk lacrosse, I mean, you taught special ed at uh, Rock Creek School. Just how much daily motivation did you get from those kids? That that job... um, it was something that I fell into, quite honest. Um, you know, I I went to college and, and got my degree in behavioral sciences, and I really had no intentions of being an educator, um, much less being an educator in the county that educated me. Um, so when a friend of mine mentioned to me that that position was open as a special ed instructional assistant, um, you know, it was my first job that was really in the county and, and something that I just kind of dove in head first and really committed my time to. and. Um, it really opened my eyes to what, you know, I'm, things that I'm passionate about and, and being able to lead those young men and women with those certain different challenges um, really kind of humbled me. But also it, it put me in, this, in the situation to where I had to be my best every day uh, to support those young men and women. Right. You realize that life isn't as tough as you think it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. What was the most satisfying part of working with those kids? You know, I, I, I think it's probably 
not going into work having the same day day after day um every day was different every day was awesome um you know not without its challenges and and certain different aspects and uh you know i think my favorite thing was just being able to make relationships and build those relationships and prove that just because a young man or young woman has an intellectual disability or or some sort of physical thing that they need support with doesn't mean that they're any different than us you know they just operate a little bit differently in the space that they're given well where'd you think you'd be teaching you didn't think you'd be back here in frederick county no i i you know truly i was looking at the more i guess clinical side of the psychological piece of my degree in behavioral sciences um i've always been a helper and a fixer um you know, that that peer mediator, if you will, to my friends in middle school and high school, just trying to help people solve their problems, whether it was a personal issue that they were going through or, you know, some sort of conflict, whether that was an interpersonal conflict, a relationship, um, you know, hard times in their family structure, whatever that may be. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to have parents and family members and other friends that supported me in that way and so being able to give back to my friends and my family members um, that was important for me it's really it's really satisfying right to be able to do that to be able to help a person in need yeah and and you know i'm not a person who really looks for that immediate gratification um and so being able to show that the work over the long term will really pay off um that was the most kind of satisfying and, and gratifying thing um that I really saw in those situations. Right. All right, let's talk about your uh, team at Oakdale this season. It's very talented, but it's very young with nine sophomores on the roster. Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're in the, that cliche regrouping, um, you know, kind of rebuilding season, if you will. And, and you know, our, our sophomores, you know, they're very talented um, across the board. We don't quite have the depth numbers-wise or experience-wise. Um, but we definitely have the talent and we have the drive uh, and the work ethic to get some, some good work in uh, and really have some success throughout the season. Yeah, you guys are 4-3 uh, and three, uh, right now. You just took uh, Urbana High School, the, the reigning Class 3A champions, right down to the wire. You guys had a nice early lead in that game. So that, that showed what your team's capable of, right? Yeah, and I was proud of those guys for coming out of the gate really hot. Um, that's something that Oakdale doesn't traditionally do well. Uh, we're, we're more of a second half team, again, a cliche, but it's just the truth in this uh, particular situation. Um, you know, with the, with the low numbers, and we've gone through some injuries this year as well, we have uh, a starting sophomore defenseman with a broken jaw. Uh, he played last night with his jaw wired shut and has for the last two games for us. Who, who, who is that? That's Jacob Jennings. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, we have some good junior and senior leadership on the team, but we're slim there numbers-wise. Uh, and so everybody is getting some playing time this year, and, and we're just making it work. Right. Being that the team is so young, do, do, do you have to be patient? I mean, do you expect a little inconsistency game to game? Yeah, I think uh, I think we would be, um, I guess, unrealistic to expect uh, perfection out of such a young group. Um, you know, our standards are high at Oakdale and, and they're high across the board for all of the coaches in the county. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to see some of those sophomores on the MDX club team that I coach. I coach the 2024 team. Um, and so any extra work that we can get with those guys outside of our spring season really pays off. And you see guys like uh, Drew Phipps 
and Jacob Jennings and Avery Linthicum. Um, those guys have really stepped up and worked hard in the offseason, and it, it shows uh, during the spring season here. Yeah, I, I, I want to ask you about a couple of those guys. And, and, your, and your team plays good defense. I mean, that's your foundation. I remember you as a – I'm old enough that I covered you in high school, and, and I remember you as a defensive player at TJ. Uh, is it tough to get kids to buy into a defensive philosophy these days? Um, I, th I don't know that it's tough. I think that it's tough if you don't have a defensive philosophy to put forth. Um, you know, when I was in high school at TJ, we had some great defensemen. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to play with some great guys uh, both on and off the field. And, and so I got lucky in being on a good team and, and um, having that support system around me on the field. Uh, and so I encourage our guys down at the defensive end to just kind of take ownership of that piece of the field, that one third of the field and and do their best and support and lift up their their teammates to their left and to their right. Right. How do you play good defenseman? What, what, what makes a good defenseman in lacrosse? Just grit, determination, all that stuff? Yeah, all that stuff is is definitely uh, a plus to having a defenseman. You know, you want the tough guy who's going to go out there and get the hard ground ball and and really make the good decisions. I think more, um, the more disciplined we can have uh, defensively, the more disciplined we have across the board, the better we are as a defensive unit. You know, not taking those chances and those risks to go over somebody's head to try to take the ball away, just playing good, sound defense, whether that's footwork, communication, things like that. I mean, as a coach, though, you have to, you're responsible for both, both ends of the field. So how have you sort of acquired sort of an offensive philosophy? So I approach my offensive philosophy from a defensive perspective. Um, you know, being able to play defense at a high level in college, I was able to translate that knowledge from what an offense was trying to do to us on defense to then be able to try to transfer that for the offensive perspective. So talking about spacing and timing, picks, communication, things like that, um, how it would affect us as a defense, I just flip that and say, okay, if we're an offense, we need to be doing these things because this is how it will mess the defense up. Right. Uh, Tyson Thompson, uh, who's his, he's a senior this year for you, he seems to be your quarterback on, on, on the back line. Do I have that right? Correct. Yeah, Tyson is uh, is our, our one of our team captains. Um, he's our most experienced guy on the DN. We also have Matt Mead down there, who is a close second. Um, Matt Mead and Tyson Thompson work very well together. Uh, Tyson is very outgoing. He's very outspoken on the field. He has great IQ. Um, the kid can see all kinds of stuff happening right in front of him and, and really react and, and sometimes even be proactive and, and sort of guess a little bit and get lucky more often than not. Right, and, and, and Tyson, uh, there was a memorable sequence in the, in the game you played against Urbana where he's, he, he, it was a turnover, I believe. He gets the ground ball, and he's getting jostled all the way up and down the sideline, and he, and he retains possession, and then all of a sudden he breaks into the clear, uh, goes right in and, and, and has a great shot and puts it right in. So, so he can give you some offense too. Yeah, he's a great transition player for us. Um, again, he knows the game. He, he's very, very smart. He has a, a good lacrosse IQ across the board um, and across the field. So he, he can understand the play as it materializes in front of him and what might be the next best decision to make. And he does a great job of that for us. Right. Does, does Tyson play like you played in high school? Um, Tyson plays similar to how I played in high school. I was always um, 
more focused on my footwork and my speed rather than my size. I was never really that big of a guy. I was tall, but I was very skinny. And Tyson is a stockier young man. Um, he's a very athletic guy. And, and I only ever scored one time in high school. I remember it was our regional championship game against Quince Orchard my senior year. Um, I came down, very similar situation. I picked up a ground ball, kind of fought through the ride, stepped over into the offensive zone, saw whatever happened, materialized in front of me and took the shot and scored. Right, you guys, you guys won that game. I believe you went to play. Was it Severna Park? Do I have my, do, is my memory correct? There? Yeah. So we went to play Severna Park, who were the eventual state champions that they, year. They went undefeated. They, they were a juggernaut. Yeah. They, yeah, they were fantastic uh, across the board. Very well coached. Um, you know, their lacrosse IQ as well was through the roof. So that was an awesome game. Yeah. Well, what What are your fondest memories of playing at TJ? I, I, you know, I had some great coaches. Uh, I had great coaches. I had great support systems from, you know, my friends' parents that I played with on, on um, TJ and those guys that we then played uh, club ball with outside of the spring season. Um, you know, I, I think our team culture and the camaraderie among the guys that senior year and, and across those four years that I played at TJ was probably my, my favorite piece of that program. Yeah, it's pretty thrilling, too, to be playing in a state semifinal. I mean, to be two steps away for, from raising the trophy. I mean, I know you want to win it, and, and, and it's disappointing to fall short, but it's still really cool to reach that level. Yeah, and I think, you know, we'll always have that to look back on. Whether we win the state championship or not, you know, you'll, you'll develop more meaningful memories, in my opinion, throughout those tough times in practice and those really hard-fought games, um, more so than – the memory of losing or, you know, playing. A, I vividly remember playing Walkersville to a four overtime loss for TJ. Um, two of those guys on Walkersville now have national championship rings from their colleges. Um, Brian Schultz at Loyola and Zeke Smith at Salisbury. So they both brought um, national championships home uh, later in their career. And just being able to talk to to those guys and play against those guys and with those guys also, you know, across the board in the county has been great. Yeah, I mean, how much does your playing experience inform your coaching? I imagine quite a bit. Yeah, a, a huge amount. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to experience all kinds of different coaching through my playing career, whether it was at Spires, the youth program here when I was in sixth grade and started lacrosse, the whole way through, you know, coaching with some of those guys that coached me in sixth grade while I was at FCC, uh, namely those Hawkins brothers, Todd and Dave. Um, you know, the lessons that I've taken from other players, other coaches, uh, coaching staffs on the teams that we played against, um, you know, it's just an amalgamation of all of those experiences that's really formed my coaching philosophy and style. But was lacrosse always your sport, or did you play some other sports? I mean, being a tall guy, I imagine basketball. You played some basketball too, right? So, so funny enough, I, I never played basketball. Wow. Um, so, I vividly remember the starting starting my sports career when I lived in Florida. I played baseball, and baseball was a year round thing down there. Um, and I ended up stepping away from the game. I didn't have a good experience one season, and. You know, there's no crying in baseball is what they say. My coach made me cry and I quit. Um, you know, that's that's just the way that that story goes. And uh, we moved from Florida to Maryland uh, over Christmas break when I was in third grade. Okay. Um, I came up here, you know, Maryland is crab cakes and football. And so a bunch of my buddies were playing football. So I tried out and I played some football for uh, Frederick Youth Football League that played over there at McCurdy Field for a while. Uh, played two seasons of football there. And then 
finally found the game of lacrosse. Yeah, because lacrosse is not very prevalent in Florida. So, so you're like, what's this game of lacrosse? I mean, did you just love it right away? Or yeah, so so just like anybody, any younger brother would, they follow in their older brother's footsteps. So my brother Zach is two years older than me, and uh, when we first moved here again from Florida, he got into the game of lacrosse from some of his buddies that he had just made uh, after moving here. And so going to practices and watching those guys play and, you know, being in the car rides, you know, after the car pool, you know, guys being goofy and talking about the game. Um, it was just the natural progression was to follow in my brother's footsteps and, you know, show up to practice one day with a, a stick and gloves and a helmet and, and dry it out. But you played defense, though. Didn't, didn't you want to score goals? Yeah, you know, the best part about, again, having an older brother who was an attackman is that somebody had to play defense in the backyard, and that somebody was me. You know, he, as the older brother normally does, gets the glory of the goal, uh, and the younger brother gets the shame of being scored on. And so, you know, maybe in an odd way that drove me to be a better defenseman. And um, quite honestly, if you ask my brother today, he would tell you that I'm the better lacrosse player, uh, but he will take credit for that. So he, he took pride in being able to score on you then. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I think in a in a weird way, it gave him the confidence because he knew that he could score regardless of who it was on. Um, but it forced me to play at a, a new level, a higher level. Um, you know, he was bigger than me, faster than me, stronger than me. And, you know, I just kind of got beat up in the backyard a couple times and then decided that that, that was enough. Um, and, you know, decided to elevate my game. Yeah, when, when, when did you surpass your brother? Um, you know, we so him being two years older than me, I was a freshman when he was a junior, and I made varsity my freshman year, and I actually started, so that was awesome. Um, and then being able to go against guys like him every rep at practice, um, that's when I really found out that I could play lacrosse at a high level. And, you know, you don't get better – playing guys that are worse than you or even at the same level than you, you got to play guys that are better and tougher and stronger and smarter. And so um, I was afforded that opportunity. Yeah, so your brother was doing – he was actually doing you a big favor. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. And and I don't know that he saw it that way during that time. You know, he was just all about, hey, I scored 10 goals on you in the backyard. What's going on, man? you got to get better. Um, but I think when he saw what I could bring to the table for the TJ lacrosse team in high school when we were both playing together um, – you know, I, I would say that he definitely took a, a sense of ownership for that, and, and I appreciate that about him. Uh, how competitive were you guys? Did your brother hate that you were a better lacrosse player than him? No. Uh, you know, uh, again, fortunate enough to have a brother um, and a family system that really we, we just support one another and we push one another, and we continue to do that to this day. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he is now a, a federal employee down in uh, Northern Virginia doing – things awesome. and uh and you know we were always comparing each other's numbers in the weight room and hey how how fast did you run that mile the other day um so you are you are competitive yes we are yeah, we are okay. but not not to a negative extent um it's it's definitely a healthy competition right. now. Uh, where did you live in florida by the way so we lived right outside of orlando in a little town called oviedo it's okay. actually where the university of central florida is now located ah, and, okay. and funny enough um UCF was about the size of Frederick Community College when we lived there, and it is now the biggest campus in the United States. Wow. Yeah. So, so how, how often did you go to Disney World as a kid? 
Uh, you know, not that often. I, yeah. I, I think probably four or five times at most. But again, we were always wrapped around the axle with sports. My brother was a nationally ranked uh, BMX racer. Oh, wow. And, you know, I followed in his footsteps there. I was not nearly as good as him okay, at racing so, so, bicycles. So, so you got lacrosse, he got the BMX racing. Exactly, okay. exactly. I mean, what, 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 how'd you get into BMX racing and how dangerous is that? So um, it, our, in our family, racing has been everything. Um, my dad was a, an ex-road uh, racer, motorcycle road racer. My grandfather was an ex-road racer and, and dirt track racer um, as, for as long as I can remember. My, my dad has had a motorcycle in the garage and, um, you know, at one point my mom bought him a motorcycle for their anniversary or wow. something like that. So, um, yeah, we, we, right now we have seven motorcycles in the garage and, you know, being, you know, a young family with, uh, you know, two young kids, we weren't quite there to, to race motorcycles. Um, but bicycles were the next best thing. And we had an, a huge neighborhood with all kinds of of cool little tracks that we could build through the backyards and whatnot. And so we, we kind of got into that scene, but how bad did you want to jump on dad's motorcycle as a kid? Really bad. Um, you know, we, we were fortunate enough that he was able to find my brother and I a little 50 CC pit bike. Okay. Um, and we had a decent sized backyard when we lived there. So we were able to just cruise that around the backyard and kind of get the, the dirt bike experience. Yeah. Um, and that if I had to get rid of everything else, and all I could do were coach lacrosse and ride motorcycles. I would be okay with that. Do you have a motorcycle? No. I do. Yeah. You do, yeah. 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 Well, when did you when did you get a bike for the first time? So I got my motorcycle license when I was in college, probably about 2012 or 2013. Um, and I've had a motorcycle ever since. I went through a little a little section of time where I sold my motorcycle so that I could buy a new car yeah. um, to get back and forth to work because I had just graduated college and you, you know need just, a, you need a practical vehicle I right exactly yeah, I can't right, yeah. I can't quite ride a, a motorcycle <laughs> in December in Maryland uh, right. I guess I could but when it snows I'd be out of luck you have to be living down in Florida still right so, exactly yeah right exactly um, any, any bad accidents or, 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 or any mishaps on the bike BMX no. or motorcycle or I you know I I was never a high-level BMX racer. Okay. I mean, I was a nationally ranked guy. I was up to 23rd in the nation when we lived in Florida. That's my brother. A, that's pretty high. My brother was number one, okay. of course. Oh, um, all right. So, so that's the little ribbing that he always gives me is he was always the better bike rider. Um, but no, fortunately, I've never been in a, a motorcycle accident. Um, I know several people who have been. Yeah. Um, namely, one of my students that I used to teach at Rock Creek, his father actually passed a few years ago. Oh, no kidding. Um, wow. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's a risk that I know is there every time I swing a leg over my bike. Um, and it's one of those things where it just takes your undivided attention and, and uh, you know, becoming a motorcycle rider and having that experience has actually made me more attentive and more situationally aware to almost every single aspect of my life after that. Right. Uh, well, what's the biggest mistake bikers make? Just going too fast or? Yeah, going too fast. I think getting in over your head is is so easy in the motorcycling world you know everybody wants the loud fast bike and they want to look cool and and wear all the cool gear and stuff like that and um you know to those newer riders i would say just take your time it's not a popularity contest it's not a it's not a thing that needs rushing it needs your 100 percent undivided attention at all times and if you're anything less than 100 percent committed 
you might as well not get on it that day. Right. But does anything beat the rush of just flying down the high, highway on your bike? Or Very, very few things, um, you know, kind of get that adrenaline pump in the way that riding a motorcycle fast does. Um, you know, the only other thing, and kind of back to the lacrosse thing, is watching a guy score a goal in overtime to win you the game or having to play defense on, like, the guy who is going to be the person to try to score that game-winning goal. Um you know, it's a it's a similar feeling, just obviously different experience. Yeah, but but again, the bike helps you because it's trained your focus to really really be dialed in. Absolutely, yeah, and I think uh, I think too, being in those high stress situations has not necessarily desensitized me because that seems a little bit negative, but it's really given me um, a skill set to where I can manage those feelings and those emotions in those high pressure situations and maintain a certain level of calm. Um, so that I can best serve my team or best serve the men and women around me in whatever capacity that may be. Right. Did, did you always know that coaching was in your future, Dale? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to coach right out of college um, at a local club team with a couple of guys that, you know, knew my name from, from being in high school and watching me play in college. And, um, you know, I kind of – I kind of got my feet wet there a little bit and realized that it was something that I was passionate about. You know, it's kind of that same situation as being that peer mediator where if I have some advice to give and I can support somebody to be successful, um, that's something that I'm definitely interested in. That, that's part of your DNA. You, you like you like helping other people. Absolutely. Achieve goals. 100%. Right. Um, how'd you wind up at your college? You know, I. it's a funny story. So Again, I, I don't like to brag about it, but I do mention it to, to some people. Um, I had 11 D1 offers out of, co or out of high school um, to go play lacrosse at the next level, and, and that was awesome. And I will always have you know, that sense of pride in those offers that I got. Um, but your college just felt like home to me. Um, you know, downtown York is a lot like downtown Frederick, and – you know, the, the atmosphere in South Central Pennsylvania is similar to the atmosphere in Frederick County. Um, York was the only school that I applied to. As soon as I got on campus and met the coach and, uh, you know, was able to, you know, get comfortable with the, with the area and, and the situation I was going to be in, um, it was just the right decision to make. Right. So you're not a guy, Dale, that chases the shiny, bright object all the time. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a glory person. I'm I'm all about the deed. Um, I I think that that really resonates with a lot of people. Um, you know, and, and my commitment level wasn't there either. And that might sound negative, but I'll explain. So there are people who are willing to sit on the sidelines, literally or figuratively, um, until it's their turn to be thrust into the spotlight. Um, I'm not one of those people. I would rather do the work in the dark and, and people will be like, oh, wow, that was awesome. Who did that? And just, you know, keep it moving. And uh, not, under the radar. Not, yeah, very under the radar. Um, and so I've seen my brother have success in that way. I've seen my father and my grandfather have success in that way. And a lot of other people, mentors, bosses, coaches, coworkers, whoever it may be, I've seen the success that people can have in operating in that way throughout their life. And that's something that I find uh, inspirational. And I look up to people like that. And so I want to be one of those people. Uh, and hopefully that that 
um, images portrayed to a lot of people. And isn't it easier to learn and to, I mean, eventually fail outside of the glare of the spotlight? Everyone fails in, 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 in any discipline. Isn't it easier when the spotlight's not on you all the time? Yeah, I would I would say that's true. Um, you know, you you need to have those challenges to get the triumph. Right. Um, and whether you fail in a big game in the spotlight in the state championship game or you fail, you know, on your own in the backyard, you whiff a shot and you break your neighbor's window. Um, both of those situations are learning, learning situations. And so regardless of where you are, whether you're in the spotlight or you're in the shadow, um, if you're not challenging yourself and you're not you know, willing to have those there's, failures. There's no growth, right? Right, there's no growth. Right. If, if you can't suffer, um, you're not going to come come out the other side successful. Right. So, so what did the D1 coaches see in you? You're, 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 you're a tall guy. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're smart. Yeah, you know how to play. Like, I mean, were you the prototype defenseman? Or Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I was the, the fastest, the tallest, the smartest, the best, um, or the prototypical defenseman. What I would tell you is that um, – I was lucky enough to play for coaches and with players who gave me the opportunities to look good on the field. Um, you know, I made some high-level club teams, and I, I made the Maryland Free State Top 44 team that played at Johns Hopkins um, against Long Island Express. Um, you know, made some all-star teams at camps that I went to and things like that. And all of that was because I had such a great support system behind me. My parents could get me there and afford to – to get me through those situations. I had enough work ethic at the time to really understand what it took to play at the next level or at least be head and shoulders above some of those guys um, and earn a spot on those teams. Right, so your name was out there. Co the college coaches saw you and, 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 they, and they liked what they saw right. in, in your game. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, a couple of fun ones here. Um, who's the best player you've ever played with at any, any level? At any level. I would say the best player that I ever played with would probably be Ryan Lynch. Um, yeah, I remember Ryan. Yeah. Starting attackman, team captain on my TJ team. Um, you know, I w not that he, not that he was the greatest in that he won a Division One national championship because he didn't. He went to D three uh, school, Springfield College, up in Massachusetts. But he is somebody who, if you know Ryan on any level deeper than surface, you can understand how committed he is to putting his best product out there for people. Um, you know, he would work constantly on his game. He works constantly now as an assistant coach up there at Springfield. Um, and they're a nationally ranked Division III team. And, and that is directly related to how hard Ryan is willing to work both on and off the field for people other than himself. Right, so Ryan's coaching uh, his alma mater. Right, yeah, right. That, that's pretty cool. And he went D three too. So he did. I, I imagine he was getting a bunch of offers too, just because of his offensive prowess. Right, he know? absolutely was. You know, he put up great numbers in high school, several record-setting seasons. Um, you know, made those club teams and all that kind of stuff. He was also a football guy. He was our starting quarterback his senior year. Um, so, the athletic prowess is definitely there. Um, it shows how much the fit matters, though, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think if 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 you try to force something that you're not comfortable with, it's going to be very obvious to a lot of people. Um, 
I, for one, I don't regret not going Division One uh, because I know that it was just going to take more of a commitment than I was willing to put forth. And that's not that's not a knock on guys who aren't committed and still go there or whatever. It's just that's just not who I was as a, as a person at that point in time. Right. It's like a full time being a D one athlete. Uh, I mean, <laughs> very few people are so so you don't realize it, but it's like a full time job. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, so you have all your schoolwork and you're trying to get used to college life, be, being on your own. And then you have this like full-time job and this huge commitment of being a lacrosse player too. So it, it, it's a lot. Yeah. You know? And I was used to being kind of the normal guy. You know, I wasn't, uh, I was, I guess you could say I was popular in high school, but I wasn't with like the popular group. I had friends in every different friends group you could think of. Um, you know, I kind of did my own thing in high school, but then when it came to lacrosse, I was a lacrosse player and everybody knew that. Um, and that's how I wanted to be in college, too. You know, I, I wanted to go and have a social life and I wanted to be able to play intramural sports in the off season and really yeah. get to know my professors and, you know, have have friends outside of the team so I could become a more well-rounded young man. And, and I think I was successful at doing that. How about the best offensive player you've ever played against? Um, that one's easy for me. That would be Brian Schultz from Walkersville. Okay. Yeah. Um, Frederick County guy. Yeah. You know, we... We, he and I had some great battles in high school. Um, I watched him play Division One ball in college and win a national championship. And, you know, he, it just seemed like he always had my number. You know, in, in any given moment in the game, it could go his way or mine. And, and you know, we, we can joke around about it now. I don't talk to him much anymore. Um, but, you know, he was just one of those guys who – was such a cerebral offensive player and really studied the game and was so proactive that he could just figure me out. Um, and he, he probably gave me the best challenge uh, historically. Now, if I had to pick, you know, one or two other guys, they would be guys that I played against in club teams yeah. um, that ended up going other Division One schools and playing at a high level and maybe pro like now play in the pros or something like that. Right. Did you ever walk off the field after playing Schultz and say, I won that battle with him? Um, actually, no. I never beat Walkersville when I was in high school. No kidding. No, all four years we lost to Walkersville. Even, even your state semifinal team, you didn't beat Walkersville? Nope, didn't wow. beat Walkersville that year. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, so so he has my number, and he still has it to this day. So, um, so darn that Brian Schultz, you never got the best of him. No, I never got the – and even in youth ball. I mean, he played he played for the Walkersville Youth League team, and I played for Spires, and I don't know that Spires, when I was there, ever beat the Walkersville youth team either. So so Schultz didn't have any tendencies that you picked up on or anything or, I, or, he, or anything like that? or I think – I think he was just as he's such a slick player. I mean, he was a lefty and, you know, he, he the matchup was perfect, right? He's a, a skinnier, more athletic, shifty attackman who was, you know, just really good with his stick and, and had a really high lacrosse IQ. And, and I was, I guess, the same, but on defense. Um, and, you know, not to belittle the guys around him or the guys around me, but if that was the matchup and that was the only matchup, I'd say it was probably pretty even. But a lot of other stuff happened around the two of us. Yeah, right. Um, our supporting casts really helped push us to the spotlight. Well, I, I'm sure a lot of other defensemen feel feel like you did when, when they went up against Brian Schultzdale. So, so I'm sure you have a lot of company there. Yeah, so. I, no <laughs> doubt about that. What was your experience like at uh, your college? Man, I loved I loved all five years at York. Um, so my freshman year, I, I got recruited by a guy named Jim Griffin. He was a, a part-time head coach there before the full-time uh, coaching position was made available to anybody. 
And, uh, you know, I, I had a couple of friends from TJ go there, not to play lacrosse, but just to play other sports um, or just to go there. And, and I realized that York was in a really cool spot and all that kind of stuff. And the campus was beautiful and it was growing. And, uh, you know, York itself as a city um, was also growing at a very similar rate that Frederick was. And so it, it felt like home away from home. It truly did. Um, you know, I played and I was able to start my freshman year there, which was something that I was looking forward to um, just to make an immediate impact or, or so I felt. Well, was that is that another reason why you went the D3 route? Just because you wanted to be able to play sooner? Yeah, I, I just wanted to make an impact as soon as possible. Um, not that I wouldn't love to have a Division One national championship ring right now from Denver, who I got recruited by, um, who did win a national championship when I was in college. Um, but I don't know that I would have earned that ring. I don't know that I would have been the guy on the field to say I did that. I helped us do that. Um, and so the Division three route was just perfect for me. It was a it was a place where I could go and make an immediate impact and then also have all of those different social aspects that we talked about earlier um, on campus. Right. And uh in, in coaching and education, that was always your track? That was always your focus even when you were at York? Or did you sort of figure it out as, as you went along there? Yeah, so the education piece came actually after I graduated. Um, so when I was at York, I, I, I knew that I wanted to go in with a, like a psychology or behavioral sciences degree. That's what my dad's degree is in. Um, I've seen him have success at every level uh, with that degree. And so that's what, what I went with. What did your mother do? So my mom went to school for hair. And she is currently a, a hair and nail tech at Beliza here in Frederick. Okay, and these are two bald guys talking. That's, and, and, and that's so right. She, so your mom couldn't help us out. Uh, no, uh, super, all, e so. super easy to cut our hair. <laughs> you know, it takes 10 minutes or whatever. Right, um, right. But, yeah, so, so I, I watched my mom, um, you know, work as hard as any mom could to, number one, support her family, um, you know, be a great mom across the board, you know, lessons and dinners and all kinds of stuff. She was team mom um, on every team that my brother and I played for, um, you know, and that's just her nature. She is a she is a, a person who just wants to make sure everybody is doing well. Um, and, and I couldn't obviously ask for better parents. You know, they, they've been married for 30 some odd years now and um, they've just given my brother and I the best foundation possible to be successful at every level. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And that's something that not a lot of kids are are able to have, and you know they're not afforded those opportunities for whatever reason. And it's you know not for better or for worse. It's just different. Um, I'm just my, my brother and I are just lucky to to be able to have a, a family system like that. Right. So you knew Todd and Dave Hawkins. Uh, is that how the FCC opportunity came about? Yeah. So. Um, I knew that FCC was going to have a, an inaugural team in that 2015 spring season. Um, you know, I graduated from York in 2015 and, uh, well, I guess that was fall of 2015, spring of 2016 was the, the inaugural season. Um, and Todd reached out to me right away. He said, Hey man, I need a D coordinator. Uh, if you're available and you have the time, I would love to have you out. Todd's like the best person ever, too. Like Todd's awesome. Yeah, right. Just, yeah. just it, there is no other way to explain Todd and Dave, 
other than they're just awesome people. And talk about tackling challenges with with a positive attitude and just just doing it the right way too. Yeah, I mean, I, I Dave Hawkins was my high school coach for all four years there. Um, I, I heard the guy yell a bunch of times, but it was never negative. It was always he was either hooting and hollering because he was excited for the boys and because we were doing the right things, or he was yelling in a constructive way, he was doing his coaching at a higher volume. You could even just say it that way. Um, never once had a negative experience with Todd or Dave. Um, and, you know, Dave was at the Urbana game last night when we when we were there and uh, shook my hand, said, great game, coach. You, you coached your ass off. And, uh, you know, that's just the type of guy Dave is. He'll be there for you. Right, and, and, and Todd, Todd as well. So, um well, what did you learn coaching at FCC? Um, I learned that coaching at every level is different. Um, you know, I've done, I've done the youth ball club program coaching where, you know, you have very young and very new players. Um, so you need to coach just the fundamentals, how to catch and throw, what a dodge is, uh, how to slide on defense, things like that, how to substitute on and off the field. The whole way up to high-level college lacrosse, um, at FCC where, you know, you have to adjust play by play to really to really either exploit a defense or really get your offense moving. Um, and the differences at each level are definitely the most kind of stark things that I've noticed. All right. Were you ready for the, being, to be a college defensive coordinator? Um. I don't know that I was ready for it, uh, but I was definitely up for the challenge, you know, at being able, having the opportunity to play high-level college defense, um, both as a close defenseman and as a long stick midfielder. Um, I was afforded the opportunity to see the game from two separate positions. Um, and so taking those lessons directly from my York college days and just injecting them into FCC, it was pretty easy for me because I was used to it. I had to figure out how to then portray that or explain it and coach it to the guys who had no idea um, or hadn't had that type of experience. Right. Did you know where your coaching track was eventually taking you, whether it be high school or college? Did, did you know or were you just going to roll with it? I was just going to kind of roll with it. Um, you know, at the time of FCC and all that kind of stuff, I wasn't really bought in on coaching. You know, I, I had always known that I wanted to be – you know, I guess involved in lacrosse in some way, whether that was volunteer coaching, um, you know, maybe help do some one-on-one -on -one coaching clinics for some people and their children. Um, but again, here comes the Hawkins brothers, you know, hey, we have this opportunity. Are you willing to, to help us out? And so here we are. Yeah, I mean, they're great in empowering other people. I'm sure that's what you try to do as well. You sort of try to emulate that. Yeah, so. I, th I think a big piece of my my coaching philosophy comes from the Hawkins brothers in, in that, you know, I can only do so much as a coach. I need to, I need to help these young men develop a sense of self-worth, self-discipline, and, you know, being proactive and being able to take ownership of your piece of the puzzle. And, uh, you know, ownership is a big thing that I preach right now at Oakdale and, and owning your piece of the game, whether you're the last guy on the bench or you're the team captain. Um, you know, there are 
there are things that need to be owned by individuals um, and as teams and coaching staffs collectively as well. So how did the opportunity at Oakdale come about? So I coached with a guy named Mike Higgs. Um, he's been at or was at Oakdale for, I guess, four years. Um, unfortunately, he had to step away for some personal reasons, and, and he has our full support as a program to do so. Um, I wouldn't be here without him. Um, Mike Higgs got me involved in the youth scene around here back in the days of Lax Factory. Um, he was coaching the 2024 team, so the sophomores currently, um, that, you know, knee high to a grasshopper back then. And uh, we, we did a great job um, as a coaching staff. We really meshed. I didn't know Mike before, before he reached out. Um, I guess my name was thrown into the hat by a guy named Trey Wilkes, who is another Frederick County product. He's Ur now Urbana, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. He played at Ohio State, and now he's uh, the assistant coach at University of Delaware. Um, for their men's program. Um, so, yeah, he got me into Lax Factory, and we coached uh, a couple seasons there. And um, when his defensive coordinator at Oakdale needed to leave, um, he asked me right away, he said, hey, I need a D guy. Can you come on? And I said, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and here you are. So um, a couple other players I wanted to ask you about. I, I, uh, your, your goalie, um, Avery. Yeah, Avery um, uh, uh, Linthicum. Uh, tell us about Avery. Avery's awesome. Uh, the, first and foremost, that kid is he's fantastic. He's a great young man. He comes from a fantastic family. Um, he's one of those guys who is a thinker. He's a very cerebral kind of X's and O's uh, player where he will really, really invest his time and effort into understanding the game inside and out. Um, and that's the way that he learns best, it seems, and that's the way that he's improved his game. He's done his research, and he's gotten his own goalie training um, going in, uh, outside of regular season. And so, you know, he, he's 100% invested. Right. Uh, your face-off guy, you have a good one, and uh, Rory uh, Blanchard. Yeah, Rory, is a, he's a nut, man. He's, he's such a goofball. He brings the energy every day at practice. Um, you know, a high-level high school wrestler, uh, for Oakdale and you know he's he's another one of those guys who's very cerebral and invested um, you know he he takes face-off whistles all day at practice and outside of practice he works with our assistant coach David Pohopen um, who was also a face-off guy at Oakdale in his uh, high school days um, just to really perfect that craft and facing off is something that I don't understand because I don't have that type of mentality and and um, understanding of the game and those little intricacies. Um, but Rory has really taken the job and made it his own and, and, and has run with it literally and figuratively. Yeah, Rory's a defensive midi. Do, do those make the best face-off guys, those defensive midi types or the, the scrappy players that bring a little offense too? Or? Yeah, I think, I think it's a combination of everything. You have to really sell out as a face-off guy. You have to put your body on the line every single time you get down over the ball. Um, you know, you have to be crafty with your stick skills and, and your tactics at the face-off X. you got to be able to work with your um, face-off wing play. Um, and then if you lose the face-off, you can't just run off the field. you got to be able to play good defense. And so um, at Urbana and in several other games, Roy has proven that he can win a face-off and go down to the offensive end and shoot and score. And he's also proved to us that if he does lose a face-off, which doesn't happen very often, um, he's – 
more than capable of going down to play defense for us, and, and we have a, a good level of trust in him for that. Yeah, Frederick County's had some really good face-off guys over the year. I mean, Alex Daly, uh, who, who, who I'm, I'm sure you played against him at uh, Ligonor, right? Right, yeah. So Alex Daly went to Army and faced off at Army, and actually Will Coletti, another Ligonor face-off guy, is at Army currently um, as their starting face-off guy. Yeah, and then you had uh, Matthew Mancini from Middletown last year one of the best face-off guys I've ever seen. He, he made it look effortless w- uh, winning face-offs. Yeah, so. and, and uh, you know, don't get us wrong, listeners. Face-off guys are not a dime a dozen, uh, right. especially at that level. Um, there's another young man from Middletown. Oh, goodness, I can't remember his name, but he's facing off at Delaware now. Yeah. He's uh, graduated two years ago. Yeah, I, 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 never I can't remember his about, name. Yeah. But we, we, we apologize, but um, but yeah, Matthew. I don't know. He should be facing off in college somewhere, but I think he's playing football. Yeah, I think so, he is playing football. Yeah, so, so um, uh, talking to um, uh, the Middletown coaches, they're like, man, yeah, he should be playing lacrosse, but football is his passion. Yeah, so, um, but there've been some great faceoff guys uh, o- o- over the years. Uh, I mean, Urbana's got a state title now. Ligonor's got two. I know you guys are trying to get your program to the point where where you're in that conversation too. Uh, are you surprised there haven't been more state champions from Frederick, or is it just a process of just developing lacrosse in this area? Yeah, I think it's just a process. Um, you know, uh, there's no shortage of talent in Frederick. Don't get me wrong. Um, we've obviously produced several state champions, um, and also those guys have gone on to win national champions championships at the college level. Um, so the talent is is here. I think it just needs the development. Um, when I was in high school, we were literally the wild west of lacrosse in Maryland. You know, people would come outside, you know, west of Carroll County, um, and they would just think that they were going to come in here and roll over a bunch of country boys that had no idea what lacrosse was. Uh, and it couldn't have been farther from the truth. Um, you know, I've we've all made our runs towards the states. Um, some of us successful, some of us haven't quite been as successful. Um, but, you know, I have faith in the process. When I went to your college, we were not a nationally ranked team. We didn't have very many winning seasons when I got there. Um, and right now, your college is ranked number six in the nation. Um, and they play at Hood College tonight, uh, yeah. conveniently enough. Uh, G- G- Gettysburg College has always been very good, and they're up in that area, too. That's not right. a area, D3. That's for, for real up there. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, in the past probably 10 or 15 years, definitely in the last 10 years, the game of lacrosse has exploded across the country. I mean, now you have teams like Utah. You have Denver, who has a national championship at the Division One level. Uh, you have Southern California, Northern California, Oregon, all of these teams across the entire country. Uh, and in other countries, right? We have a world lacrosse games now. Um, so the game is exploding, and it's only a matter of time before Frederick is truly a perennial powerhouse when it comes to lacrosse in the state. Yeah, I mean, Maryland's just so good that it, it's hard to break that ceiling, I, break through that ceiling, I guess. Absolutely. So, uh, Sean Wright, another one of your sophomore attack guys, I, I think he gives you a nice dynamic because he sets things up really well from behind the behind the cage. Yeah, yeah, Sean is... Uh, you know, he's a thinker. He's a quarterback. He's a, he's a guy who's very patient with the ball. Um, you know, for better or worse, when the ball is in Sean's stick, something good happens, whether that's because Sean made it happen or somebody saw something and Sean was able to facilitate it for them to have success. Um, 
you know, a, again, a younger guy, a little bit inexperienced, but he's got great promise. He's proved time and time again in practice and in games that we can trust him with the ball and, and trust his decision-making skills. And with a, a little bit more coaching and some more game experience, um, he's going to be a problem for a lot of teams in the future. Right. Uh, who else do we need to know on your team um, uh, this season? Who else do we need to know about? Um, you know, we obviously have Troy Lisney, you know, the lefty attackman who is just – he's incredible. He's shifty. He's smart. He's, you know, he's good with the ball on his stick. He's great off ball and getting into space and just he's just good at making stuff happen. Um, and the guys that play around him, um, you know, we have a great midfield line. We have, you know, freshman Owen Muskowski, who is promising. He's raw. He's a, a great athlete. Um, again, just inexperienced and, and we're young and we're not quite mature yet. Um, but that, that's across the board. You know, I, I don't know that I would say we have many standouts because I would say we're pretty even across the board. We have some guys who can play at every position in the team. You like having a young team, I bet, because you can work with these guys for like two or three years now. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Um, in some of those high-pressure games where we're down by one or two and the clock is low, our decision-making skills sometimes go out the window. Um, that's to be expected from a young team. And so, you know, we take our growing pains and we take those licks and we learn from them. Uh, we watch film, we study, and we get better. Um, you know, we played or we scrimmaged Bethesda Chevy Chase earlier in the preseason, and they have 23 seniors on their squad that yeah. they're graduating. Wow. Um, I think in our whole program, we have 20 sophomores. So we might be there at some point, right. but that's not within the next couple of years um so really being able to get a hold of these guys early you know instill in them our team culture and then focus on the x's and o's after that um it's a blessing in disguise for sure um what do you enjoy the most about coaching i think you know i've had so many great coaches that have given me so many great life lessons um outside of the game of lacrosse you know coaching lacrosse for me is a very small percentage about the actual game itself. Um, you know, it's a daunting task to have such an influence on so many young men. Um, and you have to be careful, especially nowadays, but you just have to be careful with those things that you want them to learn, those life lessons that they need to take away as they move to the next level to play lacrosse or as they move to the next level to just be who they are. Um, one of the lines I tell the guys all the time is, I can make a great lacrosse player. I'm good at coaching. I have guys next to me that are also great coaches. Um, it's hard for me to really make a good person. Um, not that it's impossible, but in my experience, the best human beings that I know are also the best lacrosse players that I know. And so I take that serious and I try to give these young men um, Number one, a great example, you know, in my leadership style, how I carry myself on and off the field, um, how I speak with parents and officials, how we conduct practices, things like that. I try to be as professional um, and give them that great uh, example um, throughout their day. Yeah, you sort of answered one of my questions there. I, I wondered what you wanted your players to think of you as a coach. Like, what did you want to give your, what do you want to give them as, as their coach? 
Yeah, I think um, I actually had this conversation with my father the other day. We were talking about addressing people in your life, whether you call them sir, ma'am, Mr., miss, or by their first name. Um, I don't have a coach that I call by their first name. I hold my coaches in such high regard that they're always Mr. So-and-so or coach. Is it Coach Hawkins? Coach Hawkins, Coach Childs at York. Um, you know, I, I call everybody coach. Um especially those guys and and girls for 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 what that's worth um who have coached me up in in various different areas of my life whether that was you know an athletic trainer um or a head coach an assistant coach a parent who's been there um so my ideally what i would portray to those guys is that in 25 years when they talk to their kids excuse me, about their high school coach, it'll be Coach Dale or Coach Coach. It'll never be that guy at Oakdale, whatever <laughs> his name was. I, I just what, – what, What's his name? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I, legacy is huge for me. And, you know, reputation obviously is, is big for everybody. Um, I want those guys to move on in their life, regardless of if they play lacrosse or not, uh, and just take away – more lessons than actual lacrosse coaching. Right. Got it. Is coaching as enjoyable as playing to you? Um, it's different. Uh, I still play in a men's league, so I'm 30 years old. So I'm in this weird in between where I like, I still have my college lacrosse abilities, but my physical abilities are, you know, they're starting to wane and I'm coming to terms with that. It, it stings sometimes when I get beat when I normally wouldn't get beat on the field. Um, but in the ways that I don't play well anymore, I think in a weird way, those are the ways that I coach better. Um, you know, if I'm out playing on a Friday night against guys that are 25 and 30 fresh out of college and I get beat a certain way, I can be, um, reflective in that. How did I get beat here? And then I can coach that specific thing to my guys at Oakdale. Right. Yeah. You're, get, you're getting smarter as, as, as you get older. Exactly. So, um, well, hey, Dale, uh, thanks for coming in. We've been blabbing on here for a better part of an hour. So uh, does, does your dad, does he still get on his bike? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he actually, over the summer, he just did a 6,000 mile ride um, out west and back with one of his best friends. They went on the Transamerica Trail and that, went out that's to the awesome. Grand Canyon and all that. So yeah, he's still on there. Has, has he ever done st the bike up at Sturgis, South Dakota? Or? No, he hasn't been up to Sturgis. Um, he's been to Daytona Bike Week, I don't know how many, 20-some-odd times. So right. um, he's retiring in the next year, so he'll probably get back down there sooner rather than later. Uh, do you ride with him? Or? Oh, yeah, we ride together all the time. In fact, uh, we've been looking at the weather this Easter weekend, and, and it looks great, so we'll probably get out for an Easter ride. Well, fantastic, Dale. Uh, thanks for coming in, and, and uh, best of luck to you and your Oakdale team as, this, as the season plays on. So. I appreciate the opportunity, Greg. Thanks. Uh, that's Dale Kowatch, uh, head boys lacrosse coach, varsity boys lacrosse coach at Oakdale High School. My thanks to him. My thanks to Alexander Dacey and John Candace for coming on earlier. And uh, to Graham Cullen for producing the Final Score podcast. My thanks to all of you for listening, and uh, we'll see you back here next week on the Final Score.